0: All right, welcome Restoration Chapel family and friends. We are excited that you're with us today for another traveling stories. Today we have Shante Hayward, who is a great friend of me and Sherry. At we met at Anderson College before they became the university, correct, Shante?
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: we were there for the college slash university years. We were both. <laughs> so, but uh, she is on the praise and worship team at. Um, freedom church in monks corner south carolina and um she's been there for about a year now
1: uh two
0: years two years okay um and um she's also uh, been a praise and worship leader at carpenter's church in anderson um Mm -hmm. and you were also at faith in north charleston yeah
1: in north charleston
0: north charleston yeah so a couple different places anywhere else
1: No, I try to stick to whatever church I'm at in the town I live in. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the reason why, because like (laughs) I said, we moved. So, yeah, definitely. Um, But you, because you were in Anderson after college or after, Mm -hmm. you know, after we graduated for a little while. So you were here and then you moved back home, correct?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Charleston. Yep. Charleston, South
0: Carolina. Yeah. So, and I know we got many friends from the Charleston area, the Somerville area. um, Yeah. And so I'm excited about this. But with that being said, Shantae, we've asked everybody this to start us off. How, if you can remember, how was your life before you encountered Jesus Christ?
1: Uh, well, I was extremely young. So um, I gave my heart to God at like eight, nine years old. Um, extremely young. I just, I just knew he was right. Yeah. I, I could just tell. Definitely. And then as I got older, I just began to learn about who, uh, who God is, what he did, his love. Um, and I can say, even in those, my early Christian years, like, um, before my relationship with Christ really began to grow, uh, I was pretty mean. I was very, I was very mean, very, um, broken and hurt. And I struggled with depression from a very young age, probably like six, six, seven. Um, it's definitely a generational, uh, curse. I say that that goes along in my family. So, um. Those things were a real struggle for me, especially in my early relationship with Christ. Uh, That's how my life was different. I was, I kind of operated off my feelings and emotions and not off of, I hadn't really learned about like fact versus the truth, God's word. And so I couldn't live in that. Uh, So that's kind of how it was different.
0: Now your family and um, you, you have a a big family, correct? How Mm -hmm. many brothers
1: and sisters do you have? I have five other siblings. I have uh, two brothers and three sisters.
0: Definitely. And um, y'all were growing up in the church, correct?
1: We were, yeah.
0: Definitely. And I know um, your family is very musically talented um, mm-hmm. and all serve, if I'm not mistaken, they all serve some at some church, at different All churches. but one. Yeah, all one. but one. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, do you remember, um, I know you said you were eight, but do you remember what it was like to encounter Jesus or what happened that day? Yeah. Definitely. Can you kind of explain about that?
1: So I can't tell you like the exact date.
0: Definitely.
1: It was like a Friday night service and uh, my church back then we had Sunday morning and then like the adults went on Tuesday night for Bible study, kind of like your Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. And we always had like a Friday night service. And so um, it was, I want to say it was maybe after the sermon. And um, there was kind of like an altar call. And I just remember we always kind of sat in the middle um, of the right section, all of us all lined up, and my parents on either end, you know, to keep us encapsulated. (laughs) So we couldn't
0: running around the church or rolling around the pews. Right,
1: right, right. right. We were we were definitely very Pentecostal, but it was definitely my parents made sure we were orderly. Definitely time and a place. And so I just remember going to the front and just like just bawling. And one of my favorite uh, women that was at the church, she just. I just loved her with all my heart, and she came up, and she just prayed for me, and she started asking me questions, trying to make sure I understood what I wanted, Um, and even like the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and she she just, I said, you know, I said yes to everything, and then she just prayed over me, and I was just bawling, and that was just kind of how it, kind of how it all got started.
0: And it was just a regular service, too. It wasn't just a children's church atmosphere.
1: No. Yeah, so uh, in black churches, um, especially in Charleston old school, there's no such thing as children's church. So children, you are in church with the adults all the time. Definitely.
0: And I wanted to make that point known because, uh, you know, a lot of times we feel like our children are not listening or we feel like it's going to be over their head or, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can imagine the services that y'all are in it probably nothing was over your head. I mean, it probably was still just regular service. It wasn't like we're going to tone it down because the children are there, but there was examples of, of people giving, worshiping. Yeah. And I, and I think we lose that a lot of times nowadays. Um, I think, uh, you know, we want um, a children's leader to show our kids how to worship or, you know, a children's church atmosphere to show our kids how to worship. But um, I know with your family, you probably saw your mom and dad worship. And and so y'all seen that example, not just at Mm -hmm. church, but from at home, correct?
1: Yeah, and um, we used to have, like, Bible study at home. Kind of not like Bible study, but we always had family meetings because there was always somebody fighting. There's a lot of us. (laughs) uh, But my parents would always take every opportunity to minister to us, and my mom used to print out these scriptures, and she would hang them everywhere in the house. And I remember one was, like, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And that was on one part of the house, like in the hallway closet and you passed it every day. Um, and then she'd put like, um, something about something corrupts good manners. I can't remember. It's a proverbs mm-hmm. and, uh, and it just kind of reminded us, but she explained all of them before she posted them in the house everywhere. I got you. And it was kind of like how it got ingrained in our heart. So it caused us always to think
0: mm-hmm.
1: before we did. But I, I believe a lot of times people don't think kids learn when they're sitting in big church, but if you, if you look back to like how kids learn how to speak, correct syntax, everything, they obviously can't speak correctly to you at that moment, but they are hearing and they take in everything. Even when we're asleep, we take in our surroundings. So um, definitely, I feel like, I know you didn't ask me this, but I feel Mm -hmm. like this COVID time has just kind of, I think it's, I'm not a parent, but I think it's shown a lot of parents where maybe um, we could. Do better where definitely. we're looking at in response to teaching our kids um, about God, because you know, train up a what train up a child in the way you should go. You know, we're all doing it, but you're at home with that kid, you're seeing the things that I don't see. Definitely. And so, I think definitely COVID has allowed parents to see some areas that need to be strengthened um, in themselves and teaching their kids about God, mm-hmm. um, and also just in how it's being done.
0: Yeah. And I would say this, even in, you know, with this, with what's going on, even in our struggle, because, um, you know, some people are, as you said, are struggling right now and going through things. But our, when we feel like nobody's watching, people are still watching, including our kids, especially. Always, And, and, and I think that's, that's something that needs to be noted and really needs to be brought out is in our household, if we can't worship at home and reflect Jesus at home, and we expect this next generation, um, I think it's judges that said um, there grew a, uh, a generation that did not know the knowledge and works of God. Yeah. And a lot of people put that blame on that generation, but I say the blames on the generation before them, because they were never shown the examples of what that's like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and I believe that's kind of where we're at today. Um, with, with everything that's going on in the world, what kind of examples are we going to be? to our children or to our neighbors or to our friends or family, to the people that are around us. Mm-hmm. Um, because as like, as you know, you just said those scriptures on the walls, we might think, well, that was crazy. And I know when you were little, you'd probably like, Oh man, that's another scripture that mom puts up or something. <laughs> yes. She's trying to make sure I have the fear of God inside of me, do all of this, but, but even to this day, you know, 30 something years, you still remember that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, And as parents, and, you know, I I have three kids now, and I'm not, and we don't do everything right, and, but I've also understood they're watching us during this time, and we need to show that example, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel like a lot of times people are just saying, uh, you know, well, we'll let the, and there's nothing wrong with children's church, and there's nothing wrong with kids worship, and things like that, but what are we doing at home, just like you're saying,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so after you met Jesus and after you had this encounter, um, there's always still a battle within us and, um, and there's things that keep coming our way. But, um, after that, do you remember when you were actually
1: feel like you were being called to serve? Um, in, in like the worship capacity or just in, just to serve in, in general, I, did you,
0: I mean, did you start with just worship or did you serve somewhere else before you got into the worship amount or, you know, into the worship ministry?
1: Yeah. So kind of being a Hayward, you, you had to serve, so we didn't get the option.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, we, we, uh, our family moved to a, a new church, a multicultural church when I was 10, um, which I'm I still love those people. I still talk to them to this day and the pastor and um, there were opportunities. I actually served as a, a toddler room teacher for like the two and the three year olds. Um, Definitely wasn't my cup of tea. It's it's (laughs) I learned that I didn't need to teach um, little kids, but it's kind of how I learned to teach using a felt board and being able to come up with ideas. Um, Even though they gave me the lessons and stuff, I still had to get it across. And so um, that was definitely one way, and then in our youth group, we always served um, other people, so we did a lot with for the older people at the church. We did a lot um around the church mm-hmm. with the older people in our youth group, so it was we were always serving essentially yeah. just it was forced on us, but we liked doing it I got
0: you so it was just that mindset again of being the example and knowing that hey we were going to serve I mean if we're going to be a part of this we're going to be a part of this. It's not just going to be, we're going to be a spectator. We're going to actually right. be a part. And, um, and I know, and I, I, we didn't talk about this before, but um, coming out of, as you said, a, a black church into a multi, you know, uh, a multi, you know, church, how, how was that?
1: It was, it was different for sure. Definitely. Um we, We went from a church that was completely all black to our pastor being um, half Native American, half white, um, to youth pastor being white, to there were other black families in the church. Um, We had Brazilians and Mexicans as well. So it was like anything you could think of. It kind of was the example of Charleston, just like a melting pot.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: The songs were definitely different. They were, it was a whole lot more toned down. So it was kind of like getting used to that. Um, used to we still brought our tambourines and stuff like that. but you know it was a different feel. Definitely. So um, It was definitely difficult at first, um, but we loved it I mean, we loved the people. you know we came we grew to, um, to just love being there. I don't I, people had a heart for God, and I think that's what attracts you to churches. You can really see what's going on inside of them, on how they treat you, and we weren't treated like. The black family has come. Granted, there were other black families. We were treated like, "Hey, it's the family with all the kids." I'd rather that, you know, over the color of my skin. So that made us stand out. The fact that there were six kids and we came trailing in, and we all had to sit on the front row, and you couldn't chew gum, and (laughs) all the black church rules stuck.
0: Yes, definitely
1: multicultural church, but that's just because culturally things are different. So definitely. Yeah. And,
0: you know, and I, and I love what you said, you know, um, looking at the heart of loving Jesus, you know, if you love Jesus. And, and I think that's something that needs to be said, because as a time of we're recording this, there's so much going on in the world with race and different things. And, um, and I have been, uh, you know, myself, I've been in prayer and how, you know, we can bridge that gap. And like you said, it, it comes from a heart of God. Uh, you got to have that heart of God. And you got to be able to listen and ex- accept people, not as, like you said, the the black family, but as people. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And you know, and and I think, especially in the South, in in uh, in denominations, because I see it in denominations. We still have black churches and white churches, which really aggravates me as a, as a whole. Um, because, as you know, we've been friends for many years. We never see, you know, and I'm not saying we don't see color because we see color and we see those mm-hmm. things, but we also understood we judge people by their their character and who they are, but but not by what they look like on the
1: outside. I mean, your your wife would let me come into her dorm room with a plastic grocery bag, <laughs> shop off their off their their little area that they had all their food, and I would just be like, hmm. hmm. Yeah, definitely. So you know, you know, like. Yeah. And, and again,
0: it's, it's it's a judging of character, not just of, you know, of the color of the skin, you know. And, right. And, I, you know, I've been thinking just to myself as a pastor, how we can do that. And, and it's going to take work. It's going to take uh, work conversations, you know, like we're having now and not just now, but other times um, to see how we can bridge that gap, how we can stand in the middle. Um I, I love the scripture in Ezekiel, I think it's uh twenty twenty two and thirty. It talks about there 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 was nobody to build a wall and stand in the gap. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it's time for you know conversations to be had and that kind of stuff that so people will stand in the gap. Um because, you know, not all cops are bad and not all black people are bad, not all white people are bad, not all white people are good. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. We have to understand mm-hmm. that and we have to be able to stand in those gaps. Um, with that being said, uh, to get you you're teaching uh, little kids and uh, different things like that, what about worship? How did you get into, I, like I said, I know your family's very musical. Um, I, I believe y'all just get around and sing all the time. Y'all can kind of make me mad how well y'all just get around to sing all the time. Cause I try to do that. And my wife, it, it, you know how she is, she's very uh, musical herself, but she'll tell me to stop very quickly.
1: Yeah, um, I've, heard, I've heard you sing before. You yeah, should. definitely. So,
0: <laughs> but, uh, but with that being said, um, how did you get, um, I, I know music's a passion, but how did you get into the ministry of worship or, you know, in music, ministry of music?
1: I definitely think, uh, spiritually God definitely put it inside of us because and personally when we were gosh I don't know I had to be five six seven we would take um shoe boxes and we would put rubber bands on shoe boxes to so like a guitar and then we would um, have shoe boxes and other kind of boxes and we'd fill them with a different amount of things and items to make them sound different and then my parents used to take their clothes to the cleaners all the time and you used to have those um those paper rods attached to the metal hanger on the top yeah, yeah. Like a paper rod. Mm-hmm. And we break those suckers in half and those would be <laughs> our drumsticks. <laughs> and so you'd have different sounding objects. And then we were sitting cross-legged. I know I just remember this because I, I just think like we were so small and just ridiculous, but like God allowed us to use everything we had to put it all together. Yeah. You Like we would sit cross leg and when our knee would hit, hit the ground, that was like the kick drum. So it was just like, and we taught each other. And so um, when we moved at the first church we went to, we really couldn't do um, participate. And granted we were kind of young. And then um, when we moved to the next church, when I was 10, my brother um, immediately got to go help in the sound booth and he started learning about um, tech stuff and lighting and, all that, and so whatever,
0: which is a ministry in itself. I hate to interrupt, but that is a ministry. No, go
1: ahead. Um, because yeah, I think a lot
0: of times we don't think of that as a ministry, um, mm-hmm. but it is. And, and I've known this through talking with you at different times, you know, that I've come and visited, you know, when you were at Carpenters and stuff like that, and you've came to our church and visited. Um, a lot of people don't understand how much that brings in an atmosphere sometimes, or brings in a ministry, or brings in somebody that wouldn't come in. Um, right, am I, like, am I correct with that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we were created to worship, and and we're attracted to sound. Definitely. So, um you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing praises. The angels are already doing it. Um, I don't, I don't know how we're going to fit in with the angels, but God's going to have us praising Him with our voices and with anything else. And, and He tells us in His Word that we should be doing it now because everything else around us does it. The in their in their splendor, you know, it's all giving God praise, and He's given us a voice. So um, definitely allowing I think the church has gotten away from, well, we get all of these really expensive things, and so because it's so expensive, we don't let anybody who's not over the age of 18 touch anything or watch or experience. And so there, I think the curiosity is, is hampered because they're curious at first, but now we've set and I'm, guidelines are good, and I think rules and age limits are good, but I'm not going to say his name, but I had a 13-year-old come up to me once and say, "Hey, I want to be on the worship team, but he couldn't play an instrument." And then within two weeks, um, like he started fiddling with the guitar. But within two weeks, he had learned the song I told him to learn, and now he's a worship pastor at one of the biggest churches in South Carolina. So, like, um, but our rule was at first you had to be a certain age to get on the adult worship team, and we didn't really have enough kids for a youth worship team, but why not train them up? Why not let a kid sit in the, in the sound booth with an adult and start learning um, because this is the gift and the passion that God's given them. Definitely. Why not feed into it? And I think it's going to help the church continue also.
0: Definitely. Cause, and like you said, there's going to grow up a time. If, if we don't start doing those things, if we keep putting those limits on it, um, there's going to grow up a time Whether you're not going to have anybody to, mm-hmm. to to do, you know, or you're going to have to, spend more time retraining because now that that person's gone or you know something's happened mm-hmm. and, and and like you said i think that's and, and i wanted to make sure and like i said i hated interrupting but i, I that is a ministry on its own just mm-hmm. you know the media the sound the um the training up not everybody has to be in front of this the crowd to be still ministered to during mm-hmm.
1: those times um, and, and on the sundays that i don't sing i'm in the tech booth running sound or doing essentially anything, I tell them, they need me to move the curtain, I'll move the curtain, because we're here to serve, and, and, and whatever capacity that God would have us to serve, if that means I'm not singing, great, my voice gets arrested and now I can do something else, and allow somebody else to do what they love to do as well. Definitely,
0: um, so when it comes to leading and worship, um, how do you prepare, like, during the week, how do you prepare, if you know, like, Sunday, I'm, I'm gonna um, be leading, you know, uh, how do you prepare during the week to get ready for that? I know with practicing things like that, but I know with you and myself, and we know this, um, you're not able to lead worship if you're not worshiping during the week. So how do you prepare to get ready for that?
1: Well, one of the big things I live by, and then I tell uh, those around me is you can't pour out what's never been put in. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're either feeding it or you're starving, whatever, whatever is in you. So if I want, Sunday morning to be great and my life to be great I've got to feed the spirit the Holy Spirit within me which means I'm reading my word which means I'm listening to my the music that I'm going to sing that Sunday particular but I also surround myself um with good music I don't always listen to all Christian music however I'm very particular about what I allow my ears to hear and my eyes to see um and I think sometimes I have my cheat days don't get me wrong but I can also tell that it affects me Yeah, I know that I've been made to do this and I, um, that God has created me to minister in this way. I have to be very particular about the things I let come in me and around me, if that makes sense. And yes, no, yeah, totally agree. uh, Some can say I'm super conservative, but I just think it's very important because whatever's in me is going to come out on stage. And so, um, talking to someone the other day about ad-libbing. Like, how do I ad-lib in a song? Well, I take that song and I make it personal in my life. And, and I'm reading the scriptures that go along with that song. So, because I really love worship music and worship is a, is one of the ways it's like the part of a whole. Um, So like we sing songs like surrounded, this is how I fight my battle. Yes. Fight with the word of God. But there's, if you listen, there's a lot of worship songs out nowadays that don't have any Bible in them. There's, yeah. there's no scripture reference. You go back to the 90s and 80s, and it's full. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God. That's straight out of the Bible. And a lot of times now, it's, it's very poetic, and it's pretty. And it's speaking of his love. But I need the word of God on top of just the music that I'm singing because that's how I fight. I've got to be able to pull scripture out. I've got my, my helmet of salvation, my sword of the spirit. Sword of spirit is the word and the enemy is going to attack. Even while I'm on stage, I might get extremely anxious. I might see somebody I know that hurt me five years ago. And now I've got boom, boom memories. Like this is all real stuff. We're not superheroes. Definitely. I've got to shut the enemy's lies up. And how do I do that? I do that with the word. So I surround myself with, um, with his word by reading. Um, I watch sermons. I watch your sermons. Um, There are some Sundays after I'm done, I'll watch yours. I I still listen to Kendall from Carpenter's Church. Um, I listen to other pastors as well as my own because sometimes I need that. I don't over-inundate myself, inundate, inundate. Um, but I listen so I can grow. And all that I do during the week to prepare, but also I've tried to make that my lifestyle. Definitely. So that it's not like, oh, I got to sing this week. Let me do all this stuff.
0: Yeah, it's not just that week. It's, it's like you said, a lifestyle that you've, you've come to. And I think we have a lot, of, a lot of people that say, well, I'm doing something this week, so I need to prepare. But as you said, we need to prepare ahead of time. I mean, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, with your car, if you don't prepare by getting the oil change whenever it needs to be changed, there's going to be a day where it's just going to stop and stop running. Same thing with our oh, life.
1: I like to say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I, I use it as like a joke to my sister, Lindsay, all the time. Like if she's doing something, I'd be like, hey, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> it's it's kind of like maintained skill and maintained like I don't, over COVID, I didn't have to sing as much. So like Sunday I sang and it was, wasn't as easy as it was because we have four services and we sing about four or five songs of service. Um, I sang, but I didn't sing enough over COVID to keep myself, keep my vocals greased up, yeah. you know what I mean? But if I had it, would have been an easy transition last week. So I think also in our walk with Christ, like we have some really good times. And so we kind of get relaxed, a little ultra relaxed. Yeah. And then, boom, life hits, COVID hits, mm-hmm. murder hornets hit, um, riots hit, all kind of stuff hit. And we don't even know how to respond because we're so far away from the word and from the truth. And that's why, you know, God tells us to hide it in our heart, because that's when we're going to have to pull it out at these random moments when murder hornets come out. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. You know, and I love it because um, I love that you said that because Jeff, a good friend of ours, um, he puts it as it's better to prepare than to repair.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah. Because, again, like you said, if we're not ready, I, I think about in February of this year everything's running smoothly we're all in church we all have jobs all in school um economy looks good I mean everything's just running. and then look we're what three four months from there and the world's turned upside down um mm-hmm. we, we hadn't been in the church building we hadn't you know people have lost jobs and stuff like that and if we hadn't prepared in those good times then how are we expecting as you said to praise him in those rough times ahead Mm-hmm. And, and I, I totally agree, you know, and, and it's not just about preparing week to week. As you said, it's preparing. It's having that lifestyle of prepared, being prepared. Um, if Can you remember um, in your life somebody that was a role model, somebody that was an example, somebody that was a mentor, um, something that they told you that you wish you would have listened and pay attention and would have done more? Um, maybe like a sermon or something like that in your in worship life.
1: Um, actually, like, Lindsay came and um, not that I would have paid attention more. But when I was learning how to first lead, and she came and moved up with me to Anderson. And one of the things she told me was and I I say this to people now because (laughs) I was a fool back then. But like, I can't require other people to do the things that I'm not willing to do. So I would want the worship team to be ready for rehearsal. But then, like, I may have only listened to the song one time. And if you know my sister, she yeah. can play it in her car for 30 seconds and she knows every note, every chord. She can tell you what every instrument's doing. Like, that is how God made her. God did not make me that way. It yeah. didn't work. <laughs> so, it just comes natural to her. And so my, that thing was like, I can't require out of others what I don't do myself. And um, that hit in the worship room, but it also just hit in my everyday life realm. And I know it was hard for her at the time to tell me because like she looked up to me as a sister, but um, musically, I really admired her because she was just so much better. And so for her to be able to step out and say that, um, that was, that was like in the nail on the head of that. I had to, had to be about it, you know?
0: Definitely. And uh, speaking of Lindsay, she's the praise and worship at Carpenter, right? Leader. Yeah. In Carpenter. She used to did a CD too, so We'll yeah, put in a did. quick plug for that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Please Get go it. and not just stream it but buy it. Correct. Buy it. Buy yeah. it. I've got to
1: buy it still. I haven't yet.
0: Okay. I I've I've listened to it. I hadn't bought it yet either. But yeah, yeah, but definitely. Um so if uh if somebody felt like they were calling into the ministry, and I know we just talked about, you know, being uh prepared and we talked about uh kind of uh you know making sure you're doing the things that you need to do if you expect others to do it um what kind of advice would you give them um besides what we've already talked about is is there something else that you would give them if somebody says hey i feel like i'm I'm called into the worship team not just hey i want to sing on sunday um but they feel like because everybody wants to sing on sunday morning especially you know the pastor wants to sing on sunday morning and sometimes they have to tell them no Oh. <laughs> but uh but what would you, what kind of advice would you give somebody that's just coming up?
1: Uh so I would definitely say don't give up if you're told no the first time. Um always, always practice your craft and get better at what it is that God gave you. Um find scripture, read scripture about it, but also get your foot in the door any way that you can. So you can't join the worship team today and you want to be a singer, how else can you use your skills that God has given you? It might be in kids' church, and maybe that they don't need you at the current time. How else can you serve? Because it's, um, my opportunity may not be there yet, but guess what? I'm gonna go uh, help in the tech booth by pushing the buttons for the slides. I might run the lights. I might um, do offering. It kind of just depends on what kind of church you're at, but always find a way to serve if, even if the area you want is not available and then um talk with the people who are in leadership who are in charge see what it, what it is that you can do if you get that no if he, and if you get that yes like the work has really just begun because now um when you surrender to God's call in your life when you surrender to his will it's going to open up many opportunities for you to grow it's also going to open up opportunities for there to be setbacks and um, you have to stay spiritually grounded and stay involved in small groups, continue going to church, not just when you're serving, um, because worship is not just singing or playing an instrument. It's our lives are worship. And so um, everything we do should be, is a reflection of who God is in us. And uh, so definitely stay involved. Um, I hope that answers your question. No, that's, that's
0: perfect. That's exactly. Cause you know, I, I believe sometimes when people get the no, they feel like, hey, I need to just, um, they don't like me or they don't, you know, they, it hurts to get a no, it really does. But mm. again, like you said, if we can find that other area to serve um, and, and, you know, and, and I know and I'll say this because you've always been a dear friend to us and even in times where we've only had like 10 or 15 people showed up, you've always brought that same atmosphere with you the whole time. Um, not everybody's going to be elevation worship. Uh, not everybody's going to be Hillsong, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, but I, you know, that's just the thought that runs through my mind, how gracious you've been to reflect Jesus, no matter where you're at, no matter how many people's in the crowd. Um, I, I know you've probably sang at churches where they just sung hymns and you probably sing at churches where they sung no hymns. It's all new stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, just be prepared for that and, and serve the best way you know how to serve. Correct?
1: Yeah. And our, heart, our heart's the first thing um, that we have to make sure is in the proper place. So um, I can sing at um, a service where there's 15, 20 people. I can, I can sing in front of five students. I've done it before um, because who am I singing for? what's my purpose? Is my purpose to make a big name for myself to, and, and for some people, that's what they want to do.
0: Definitely,
1: I, I just want to give it back to God. And I do sometimes, I used to just say yes to every invite. Um, and I can't do that because some places I'm not supposed to. And, and I definitely pray over it, but our hearts have to be in the right place um, or we won't be able to say yes to the five people. I mean, I remember in college when y'all would just call me randomly and be like, Hey, can you come? We don't have anyone to sing this Sunday night. And I'm like, gotcha. Or, you know, and like, and even, um, uh, the pastor Carpenter, uh, Kendall at Carpenter's church. And he'd be like, yo, let me know when y'all are going. You know, anytime we got invited out, if I forgot to tell him he was hurt, cause he'd want to be a part of it too. And Definitely. you, y'all were a whole different church than he was. Definitely. And so, um, you just got to have a heart for God's people. and. Uh, for going after God, and then you're able to use your gift, um, not selfishly, but our gifts aren't for ourselves. You know, I've sang at the bedsides of dying people, and it is, it is one of the most gut-wrenching things, but it allows them to be at peace. It allows them to have some time with God as they're actually going to meet them. It's helping them prepare even more, and I'm excited that I get to be a part of it.
0: Definitely, and And I love that because, um, you know, it's it's all about the heart, you know, as you said, the heart of God and and having that. I'll never forget. uh, There was one service and this is just a piece of advice that you gave out. I don't know if you even remember this. I don't know if you remember I was there. Um, But uh, I I don't even I think it might have been at Carpenter's one for a youth service or something like that. But you were talking about, uh, you know, lifting your hands and worshiping God. And you said, I don't lift my hands because of how I feel now. It's because I lift my hands because I know what God has already done and -hmm. what he's going to do. And that goes back to your heart. You know, you don't have to be in the the greatest building or greatest place. But if you're going to worship him, even when you don't feel like it, as you said, sometimes because I know there's probably days that you've prepared. But as you said, that Sunday morning, something happens. You know, Mm -hmm. breakfast was burnt. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the clothes didn't get in the dryer in time or something like that, you know, and yeah. it's been a rush that morning, but it's still, you're worshiping God because you have that heart for God and God's people. And mm-hmm. and when you have that, then you can lift your hands. You can sing louder. You can praise him because you understand that God, he, you might not be feeling it now, but God's already done something inside of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I always remember that. So I thank you for that because I I use it. I stole it. So um, I always say your name and I steal it.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, you think about like Joseph and, and all the hard times, you know, he had that great dream. And it's like after that dream, everything just went downhill for a long time. Definitely. He had to stay encouraged. And a lot of times we don't have those around us speaking into us. His family didn't speak into him. People were setting him up all the time, forgetting about him. Um, and even even David in some cases, and you just have to be intentional about saying, "Hey, look, God, I can't see you in this, but I know that you're here, and I know that you're for me, and I'm going to continue down this path that you've that you've given me, and I'm just going to trust you." And it is it is not an easy thing to say; it's not an easy trust to have. But I think at the end of the day, and I know you've seen it in your life, Definitely. at the day God always comes through. We may not know when or how or what it's going to look like, but He always shows up. That's right, and
0: and I and I think that's a great word to to leave everybody with because I, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on in the world, God always shows up. And this might not be in our timing, um, as as you know me and my wife went through a hard time two years ago, um, and but God has blessed us after that. Don't don't get me wrong, the valley was hard, and sometimes mm-hmm. we want to give up, but God has blessed us after that, and that's because again, we have to follow, follow that heart of God, follow his love and understand that he will show up. He will be there. And, um, and I want to thank you. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, and thank you for just being a part of this, of a conversation of traveling stories. And, uh, if anybody's ever in the monks corner area, go by to freedom church. Do you know the address there? no i know it's on cypress gardens road cypress garden road okay and i know y'all have facebook um uh, web page instagram youtube anywhere you can find internet wise just put in freedom church monk's corner correct yeah um, you'll be able to find it stop by and see them um you'll probably see the shantae on stage or in the tech booth um mm-hmm. uh, it's it just give her a wave. You might not get to talk to her. Just give her a wave. Say, Hey, I saw you on traveling stories. Um, But yeah. um, But I want to thank you so much Shante for joining us for this. Um, Thank you for bringing your word. Thank you for all that you do, especially um, for our family. You've been a blessing to our family. So um, I thank you so much for all that you do um, and, and how you bring the atmosphere of worship.
1: Well, thank you for allowing me uh, to be a part of this and even, Uh, Back in our our heyday of college years, for always inviting me into the fold because you know I was up there by myself and I didn't really know anyone, so it's it's always good to be a part of a family.
0: Definitely, and I remember just going into uh, at the time my girlfriend's room and uh, Shantae would bring the guitar in and just play right there, and that's when I found out I wasn't a praise and worship leader. Um. (laughs) But yes, definitely. But we want to say thank you so much. And uh, if you'll hold on after I close this out, but uh, we thank you for joining us. Um, Please be on the lookout for next week's Traveling Stories. Um, We still have uh, some great stories coming up. This has been awesome. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. Um, Also, we have started this as a podcast on Spotify. Um, Just look up Traveling Stories, Restoration Chapel Traveling Stories. You can find it there. Um, you won't get to see our faces but hey you get to hear our voices so it'll be great Um, so please join us on that too but we love each and every one of you thank you so much I hope you've learned something we're praying for you and we just hope that God can bless you in Jesus name we pray Amen. amen